Hello, and welcome to A Well-Read Life. This is a place to share stories about good books and the reading life. I'm your host, Beth Jamison. Join me as I meander through my reading journey and discover the books that make up A Well-Read Life. Eighty-four Charing Cross Road is a collection of letters between Helene Hanf and Frank Doel spanning the years from 1949 to 1969. Helene is a writer living in New York, and Frank is a bookseller living in London. What starts out as an inquiry for a list of used books quickly grows into a friendship. 84 Charing Cross Road is a celebration of books, friendship, and the ties that bind us together. It is a joy to read from start to finish. I was a teenager when I was first introduced to 84 Charing Cross Road, the movie version. Mrs. Reynolds, our dear retired librarian friend, lent my family her copy, telling us how wonderful it was. Perhaps the timing was off, or we weren't ready for the story, but we couldn't connect with it. Decades later, I checked the book out from the library. I don't know what sparked a memory of the book, but I was seized with a sudden desire to read it. My response was so different the second time. From the first letter, I loved it. I laughed out loud, and my resolve to read it slowly failed. I now count this as one of my favorite books. It's one that I keep within reach on days that call for joy and laughter, and when I need a reminder of the value of friendship. And now, here's more about the story. For 20 years, Helene Hanf, a writer, and Frank Doel, a bookseller at Marks & Company, corresponded with one another. Their letters were eventually compiled into the book, 84 Charing Cross Road. It is a slim volume, just under 100 pages. The letters are mainly on the topic of books, Helene's various requests predominantly, but occasionally they stray into mundane but still friendly topics. The rations England experiences after World War II, Coronation Day celebration, the happiness of owning a second-hand car, job struggles, politics, and sports. I'm not sure that Helene Hamp ever planned to correspond with Frank Doel beyond client and bookseller, or vice versa. But the friendship that grew from those letters is a sweet testament to the power of letters and books in forming a friendship. Helene and Frank's letters began as a business correspondence, but over time it blossoms into friendship. Helene's northern brashness and endearing personality quickly break through Frank's air of business formality in the first letters. The more requests Helene makes for books, the more we are treated to her lively humor and kindness. And the letters quickly take on a friendly banter, wisecracking and almost irreverent. While Helene is open and candid, Frank is the model of British reserve. He is not as reserved as he first seems, though. Helene is reassured by a co-worker at Marks and Company that Frank is really a nice man and not at all stuffy, and later by his wife that he is modest, kind, and that he has a marvelous sense of humor. The pretense of reserve, we learn, is due partly because he must keep copies of the letters to her on file at the bookshop for business purposes. But, as the years go by, we see glimmers of Frank's personality emerge, and true to the words of his co-worker and wife, his letters are filled with a measure of warmth and constancy. Frank and Helene enjoy a delightful and endearing, odd couple friendship, and it is all brought together by their common bond of books. Their correspondence begins when Helene sees an advertisement in the Saturday Review of Literature for the second-hand bookseller Marks & Company, and writes the first letter to the booksellers. She includes a list of books she's interested in acquiring in her budget. 
Many of the books Helene requests come from a man named Sir Arthur Quiller Couch, a Cambridge professor who she called Q. Not college-educated herself, Helene supplemented her education by reading his book recommendations. She first became acquainted with the works of Quiller Couch when she fell over a stack of library books at the age of 17. His were among them. This is what leads to her correspondence with Frank Doel of Marks & Company, her search for nice, reasonably priced copies of the books Quiller Couch suggested in his writings. Pleased at the service of Marks & Company and finding a listening ear in Frank, the letters continue with inquiries for more books. Helene shares her opinions and enthusiasm about the books with charming candor and sass. The book is worth reading for her opinions and asides alone. Frank takes the teasing in stride, and always with good humor, sometimes apologetic if it takes a particularly long time to find a certain edition of a book, or if the wrong copy is sent. He does his utmost to ensure that Helene has the book she requests, even if it takes some time to find them. 84 Charing Cross Road is like reading a love letter to books, especially secondhand books. It gives a glimpse into the bookselling world and a crash course in literature. From Frank, we get a small peek of the behind the scenes of a secondhand bookshop. His work to track down various titles from Helene's eclectic list, an occasional mention of traveling around the country visiting stately homes to buy books for the shop. True to the description of his wife, he is modest and humble. He is never a show-off but it is obvious that his knowledge of books is great. From Helene, we get all the exuberance of a true bibliophile, one who takes joy even in handling the pages of a book. She values the beauty of a book, appreciates the loveliness of it as well as the printed word, and she does so without being pretentious or snobby. She's simply a lover of books. Here's an example I love from one of their letters. At one point, Frank writes to tell Helene about a first edition copy of John Henry Newman's Idea of a University. She writes after receiving the book and says, The Newman arrived almost a week ago, and I'm just beginning to recover. I keep it on the table with me all day. Every now and then I stop typing and reach over and touch it. Not because it's a first edition. I just never saw a book so beautiful. I feel vaguely guilty for owning it. She goes on to say how she thinks it is too fine to be in the library of her modest brownstone and belongs in the library of an English estate. She loves the book because it is a thing of beauty. She appreciates it, not for how it makes her appear to others, but because of the inherent value of the book to her. We get the impression that the books Helena requests and reads are because she is a person with an insatiable curiosity about people's lives and the way they lived. It feels as if a desire for human connection is always at the heart of what she reads. As an interesting side note, Helene Hamp favors nonfiction, which make up the bulk of her request, but there are two exceptions to this. Jane Austen in The Wind in the Willows. After first reading Pride and Prejudice, she says, You'll be fascinated to learn from me that hates novels that I finally got round to Jane Austen and went out of my mind over Pride and Prejudice, which I can't bring myself to take back to the library till you find me a copy of my own. I stand firm in the belief that Jane Austen can win over the toughest critic if they will only give her a chance. Many of the volumes of books mentioned here I'd never heard of, and I have to admit I'm a little intimidated about reading, but Helene and Frank take their stuffiness and fear out of them. One of the most endearing parts of the collection of letters, though, is the way that it draws attention to the relationship between readers in the past and present. Helene mentions in one of her early letters how she loves when books open naturally to the passages previous owners loved most, the ones they read over and over. It gives insight to the previous reader's thoughts and supplies a connection that spans the course of time. 
She loves the writing and margins and inscriptions in books left by the previous owner and would rather have this than a pristine book. To her, they increase the value. After receiving a book on Elizabethan poets as a gift from Marks and Company, Helene good-naturedly chastises the booksellers for enclosing a card instead of inscribing it. She says, I love inscriptions on fly leaves and notes and margins. I like the comradely sense of turning pages someone else turned and reading passages someone long gone has called my attention to. We don't get Frank's response to this, but one can only imagine how sacrilegious it would seem to a secondhand bookseller, not to mention the value that would be lost to the book. But all the conversations about books and the behind-the-scenes bookselling serve a deeper purpose. They serve as a connection point a means to begin this very unique friendship. The letters do occasionally break out of book territory to include little notes and asides about Helene and Frank's personal lives. It is rewarding and sweet to watch this friendship grow, to see two dissimilar personalities share a bond. It isn't a self-contained friendship, though. It has far-reaching effects. Helene corresponds with a few other women from the shop, letters which start out as thank yous for Helene's generous gifts for Christmas and Easter. Helene could get rationed food, ham, tinned meat, and eggs sent from Denmark to England, and she generously gifted them during holidays. These letters are less formal, sharing recipes and photographs. Helene also exchanges letters with Nora, Frank's wife, and the Doel's neighbor, an elderly woman who the shop commissions to make Helene a beautiful embroidered tablecloth as a gift. Helene befriends many people at Marks & Company. Her gifts of rationed food cause the friendships to multiply, reaching to spouses and neighbors of the employees. Her letters and small acts of kindness touched many lives, and in turn, Helene's own life was blessed with an ever-expanding circle of friends. Many of the letters include invitations for her to come and visit. I don't see how we can repay you for your many kind gifts. All I can say is, if you ever decide to make the trip to England, there will be a bed for you at 37 Oakfield Court for as long as you care to stay. Frank writes Helene in the letter. And in a later letter, he says, one more summer will bring us every American tourist, but the one we want to see. Which is a testament to how greatly Helene was loved by the little bookshop. Before it was a thought to publish this book, a bookseller and a struggling writer were brought together over a shared bond of books. These small tokens of connection, hidden at the time from the limelight in personal letters, brought an untold wealth of friendship. In Helene's final letter, she tells a friend who is about to travel to London, if you happen to pass by 84 Charing Cross Road, kiss it for me. I owe it so much. By inquiring about a list of books in response to an advertisement in a literary review, Helene Hamp, Frank Doel, and many other neighbors and co-workers enjoyed a 20-year friendship, one which brought richness and joy into their lives. When I read 84 Charing Cross Road, I am reminded of our inherent need for connection and the small acts that make room for friendship, a smile from a stranger, an inquiry about a book, a friendly wave. And during this time, when it is so easy to feel disconnected from each other and fragmented, let's remember Helene Hanf and Frank Doel, and when the opportunity for friendship arises, take it. We may find ourselves as pleasantly surprised as they were. Read this book if you're a bibliophile, if you like small insights into bookmaking and bookselling. Read it to have your book list expanded. Read it if you need a book to make you smile and laugh. Read it if you love letters, the life stories they tell, the secrets they hold, and the intimacy of friendship that they offer. It may inspire you to write your own letter to a friend. Read it to be reminded of the beauty and value 
of a surprising friendship. Well, that's all for this week. I'll be back in two weeks with the first May book recommendation. If you want to connect during the week, I'm at Well Read Beth on Instagram. Until next time.